College 101 A first-gen guide Hey everyone, welcome to College 101, a first-gen guide. My name is Melissa and this is a segment where we talk about first-generation students' experiences in college. Our goal is to, if there's any common experiences first-generational students go through and how we can uplift first-generation students in higher institutions. Tune in, we will be having interviews with obviously first-generation students either currently in college or already graduates. We have a very special interview. It's also pretty lengthy, but you know, that's okay. It's pretty fun. With a already college graduate. Her name is Cynthia and she recently graduated, I believe this year. I, we know, we sat down with her and we kind of talked to her about her experience being a first generation student, especially like at a very like PWI type um, college and how it kind of compares to other first generation students. We also asked her if she had any recommendations, if she had any advice for other first generation students. So without further ado, let's listen. My name is Cynthia Salgado. I attended Coe College in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, which is about 20 to 30 minutes from the University of Iowa. And I double majored in communication studies in Spanish. And I am born and raised in Chicago. So my first question would be, how is your experience applying to college as a first-gen student? So like when you were in high school? I just remember the process being very hard. What is it called? Verification. When you get like the little star, like when you're applying to college. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, I get you. Yeah. So since my parents were going through a divorce and all the legal papers were changing. I kept getting chosen for verification. And that's the one thing I remember is being in the office at school and just crying to everyone because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to navigate like all the different portals or that one portal that we all use for like, there's one portal that all schools or most schools use. I didn't know what I was doing. I was the first one on top, like add the divorce and add all the legal paperwork. And now I'm getting questioned because of the legal paperwork. So it was like, I don't know. I just remember crying a lot. Going on to the next one, like, did you receive any help from your family or school when you were applying? I received mainly help from school. My cousin did help me when it came to loans and navigating the system online. Besides that, most of my family couldn't help. And school-wise, I guess my story with school is, I don't know if rare or different, but I was part of Gear Up, I was part of Upward Bound, and I was part of Chicago Scholars. When I went to my counselor, with questions. They told me, you have all these other programs. I have all these other kids to help. You should be fine. I had to go out and get help by myself, for myself, whether that was going in and bugging everyone from Gear Up or Upward Bound or always texting my mentors from Chicago Scholars. I had to learn how to advocate for myself because my school itself wasn't necessarily helping. My other question would be like when you were finally deciding on what college to attend, like how did you base off your decision? There was a lot of factors that went into me choosing my school. Seeing the high school that I came from, I knew I wanted a small school. And I've talked to other people and it sounds like sometimes people just choose schools to choose schools. But I knew that the environment that I worked best in 
was a, a small environment. So I think Co is their ratio is about one to 16. One of my biggest classes was probably 20 students, and that was a gen ed. Normal class sizes for us were 12 students. I think the smallest class I had was six to seven. Another one, obviously, price. I ended up at a private liberal arts institution. Private schools tend to give you a lot of money. You know, they gave me a nice amount of money. There's something called appeal letters. If people don't know, you get your financial aid package and you can tell them, hey, I really want to attend your school, but I'm missing X amount of dollars. Do you think there's a way for you to give me that money? That's what I ended up doing with my top two schools and Cole pulled through and gave me the money that I was asking for. But okay, and so the next question would be when you entered college for like the first time, how was your experience? Like how was your first day in class? I think one of the biggest things I remember is really facing the meaning of a PWI, which is a predominantly white institution. I knew where I was going. I knew the state I was taking my a literal state and state as in the environment of a PWI. I met other friends afterwards and they talked about, I didn't think it was going to be this white. I didn't think I would be the only Latina in a room. Statistically speaking, when you look at the school, it is like that. It's a PWI for a reason. It was founded in the 1800s as an all-white male Presbyterian college. But I, I remember just being there and telling myself, okay, this is what it's going to be like. I'm going to be the only brown person in the room, but there are people around me, whether that's peers, whether that's other programs at school, that are willing to help me. Because unlike others, thanks to other programs in high school, again, whether that be Garab, Upward Bound, Chicago Scholars, I knew how to coexist with other people. So while other people were telling me, I've never dealt with this many white people, to me it was like, well, oh, that's like, that's normal. We get out of the city, or we get out of the neighborhood, we go towards the city. There's not as many Mexicans over there as there is here. But then I had to realize I have a very different experience being in those programs and being from a big city like Chicago. So it, it was the struggle of being a person of color as a PWI and then being alone, which I loved. I don't know how I'm going to do it when I, now that I'm back home, but I've been alone for the past four years and I loved it. But also it was scary. But I do remember telling myself like if I could get past this first week if I could get past this first semester then I'm set because retention is not the greatest a lot of people are gone by Thanksgiving break or they finish off the semester and you never see that in your opinion like what are some of the struggles first-gen students encounter compared to other non-first-gen students because we are first generation, we don't have the privilege of having family members with knowledge that could help us. Fall 2021, I was in D.C. and one of my roommates, it was time to register for classes and her mom called her and said, hey, I looked at the catalog. It looks like you're missing this class and this class. And then I saw this class was available. And that could benefit you because you're major. And, but I just remember hearing that and saying, holy crap, is that what it's like to have family that knows what college is, what it takes to like have to choose your classes, have to, I was in a whole different time zone. I had to wake up at a different time because 
I'm in DC, my college is in Iowa, I still need to register for classes. And FAFSA, there's people, there, there's a lot of people that I've met that say, oh, well, I'm, I don't even know my FAFSA user ID or anything because my parents always do it. I had to have two emails so I could do my FAFSA because my parents don't know what the hell FAFSA is. Because we're getting divorced at the time. My parents just don't know how to use technology. Mind blown. Or understanding the fact that if I call home and I tell you I'm tired, I'm tired. I understand I'm going to school. I may not be working, but it is tiring being in school. That workload, plus if you have work study, I did work study all four years, but I was also involved in an insane amount of clubs, plus school. You know, if like if we tell our family members, I'm, I'm just tired or I'm stressed that our stress is just as valid as theirs with them working and us studying. I guess family just understanding higher education culture that obviously they don't understand because as first generation, we're usually the first ones. So we have to set that example. But that understanding and that kind of compassion, like I, I don't want you to pity me, but at least tell me like, yeah, you know, I can see why you're stressed. Make sure you wind down this weekend and, you know, do something that you enjoy. Like I hear that from my therapist, but it would be nice to also hear that, you know, like from my family. We're going in blindfolded and add all that stress of being the first ones on our shoulders. I think that's another thing that people don't see is there's so many expectations. I know for some people, them going to college, it's like, you are carrying your parents' American dream. You're the one that made it to the higher education. You're the one who was born in the U.S. You're the first one. And you're going into a place you don't even know, doing things you don't even know how to navigate. Plus, coming if you are coming from an immigrant family, you add that on top. And, I, you know, I think those are a lot of things that other people or don't have to deal with, or have never thought of. I talked to my roommate this last semester. I forgot what the conversation was about. And I, I told her, like, I am a woman of color. It is very, there's so many struggles that you don't see, or that you don't have to face. People say your name, and they say it correctly. People attempt my name, and then they give up. You know, that typical, like, Instagram saying of, if you could say charcuterie, you could say my name. Yeah, if you could say charcuterie, you can say salgado. So many struggles, assimilation, you know, trying to fit in, feeling like you're the oddball out. If you're coming from a predominantly minority community into a PWI like I was, that's culture shock too. I don't know what the hell a casserole was until like a year ago. The job market at that after graduation is like, if you do not network, if you do not make connections through your family, through your friends, you're by yourself, which a lot of people if their family doesn't already have prior connections, then that's even harder. Make those connections. If you don't maintain those connections, that is even harder. You know, I've been privileged to have to learn networking. I feel like through all the programs that I was in in high school, they really engrave, like, you need to network. But some people don't, they don't learn that either. You know, now we're freshly graduated and they're like, who do I ask for help? I don't know anyone in my field. I always had to remind myself of these institutions weren't built for us. And I think you know that. I think you've done enough research and enough. These institutions weren't built for people like me. One, I'm brown. Two, I'm a woman. I look around and I'm one of a couple, but now I'm here. And now I need to do 
everything in my power to get through and make sure that it's easier for everyone after me. You know, I have a 16-year-old nephew and he went to see the school and I was telling him, hey, in the next year or so, you're going to have to start looking at this, this, and this. Now I have that knowledge. Now I can pass that down. I'm thankful for that. Now he has that, but I didn't have that. I have a six-year-old nephew. I'm constantly telling him like, oh, you like this? You could go to school for that. Or you don't like that? You like this other subject? You could go to school for that. And not shying away from the arts. You feel like you are, I'm carrying my parents' dream. I'm carrying what my family fought for. And I need to make sure that I achieve something. I majored in communication studies. To this day, my family will tell me, and what is that? And what are you going to do with that? Because I'm not a teacher. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a doctor. I'm not what they believe is going to make those big bucks, you know? And with my nephews, I'm kind of, I don't really like that stigma. I've always been a fan of the arts. If I'm passionate about something, then why not make it my career? You know, I feel like our parents are, is they're used to, oh, we're crossing the border, we're doing this, and our kids are going to be doctors, or they're going to be lawyers, and it's those big name careers that now, for me, it's kind of like, okay, so what's your job? But what are you going to do with that? But why did you spend four years doing that? Like, you couldn't have chosen something else. Again, their understanding of higher education and careers. So the next question would be like, do you feel there's any support in your college or institution for being like Christian? I would say yes. There's a lot of people that would say no. As I mentioned, I had to advocate for myself through high school. I went in and I said, okay, the first thing I need to figure out is, is there anything like Europe? Is there anything like Upward Bound? Which Upward Bound is from TRIO. Do they have TRIO? Is there any Chicago scholars at this college? There was a scholar who ended up being one of my good friends. They did have TRIO. Found a TRIO office, found the person who was assigned to me, and I said, okay, this is where I come from. This is what I need. I actively looked for that. There's another program that's called College Possible. Honestly, my mentor from College Possible is most likely the reason I made it through my first two years of college. That was being homesick, that I was sick all the time. I, I have the worst immune system you could think of. I was in and out of urgent care. The pandemic, you know, that was my second year of college. Learning how to email professors, how to talk to professors, how to advocate for myself in class, where to find things, other resources. She taught me all of that because I went out and I looked for it. College Possible tends to people who are, I believe, come from a low-income background, are minorities, if they qualify through FAFSA. There's a lot of things that they can cover, and they're usually at school events. But if you don't go out to events, if you don't talk to people, you're not going to know they're there. There's probably two people who ended up getting their mentors because I told them, hey, I'm pretty sure you qualify. I knew what I needed in order to succeed, and that was, I didn't need someone holding my hand, but I just needed someone besides the institution because if I were to not have college possible or sometimes I did go check in with my trio mentor not as much as college possible she would only see me when I'd run into her office and be like hey I'm gonna drop out I'm either gonna drop out or I'm gonna have an existential crisis and my mental health is like she would just see me literally at my worst (laughs) because I was running in the office telling her I'm dropping out I'm ready to go home that's it you know she'd be like nope sit down we're talking about but if it were not for me seeking that out I probably I don't know if I would have made it through college 
And I know there's a lot of people who up until graduation didn't even know those programs existed. What are some organizations or groups like you recommend first gen students to join, like in general? I love TRIO. I often say that TRIO is a big reason why I am in college and I am a firm believer of that. Upward Bound is from TRIO. If it were not for my Upward Bound mentors in high school, I would have never made it to college. And if it were not for my TRIO mentors in college, connecting me with other resources as well, I would have never made it through college. Most schools do have TRIO from what I know, but TRIO is a big one. Any form of TRIO that a school could have, most likely it's going to be a mentoring program. A TRIO is always good. And if they have any type of mentoring programs, now they're starting to get them. I don't know about your school, but now my school added on top of College Possible, they added a different program of having success coaches. So first year students had a coach, mentor, coach, whatever. I guess now now they're kind of seeing like there's different struggles that first generation students have that we've never had to, not that they've never had to face before, but I would say our generation is much more demanding in a good way. So now, you know, they're getting first generation students are saying, hey, either you give me help, either there's some form of help for me here, or I'm out. And now they're seeing that and our first year mentor programs or coaches or, you know, so find a coach if your school offers that, find trio, but also Go to event. Go to any school planned event because you never know who you are going to meet, whether that be finding someone from a mentor program, finding clubs you didn't know about, or making relationships with professors who could also be mentors. My professor, my Spanish professor, who couldn't be an advisor because she was new, is probably more than a friend than some peers that I graduated college with. Like we text, we, you know, I've been to her house, we went out for lunch, we went out for brunch, dinner, you name it. You know, just don't be afraid to really put yourself out there to whatever limit you're comfortable with, but making sure that like if you feel like your school is not serving you, then maybe go out and look. And I know some people don't like that or people feel as though I attend this institution, they should be giving me the help or I should they should be telling me but sometimes they do people just don't show up to events don't look at what the school's offering event wise club wise and people do not read their emails those are those are big ones just look for or ask people you know roommates other friends like have you heard about anything around campus or are you any in any program that can help me with xyz maybe they know maybe they don't know maybe they know someone who does know and then you know you just need to at some point advocate for yourself sadly like now going towards like the ending part like what is some advice you would tell incoming christian students do your research look at the school's website in and out learn how to navigate the website even if you haven't made a decision look at what they have to offer a lot of schools will have their clubs and organizations on there. They'll have Greek life. They'll have any type of other program. I wrote for the school newspaper and I knew going in that that was something that the school offered. So do your research. Don't get caught in the party scene. People come and go. Trust me. I, I get it. I know it's so much easier to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to go drinking on a Sunday night and maybe skip class. We'll see. But I promise everything has its own time. 
like you know everyone says like todo tiene su tiempo you're there for school i don't know how many times i have heard people say maybe if i wasn't hanging out with the wrong crowd freshman year maybe if i wasn't doing this my freshman sophomore year my grades would be better my gpa would be up there your gpa follows you the whole way through you are a junior going into your senior year you need to apply for internships for your major sometimes schools require most majors you need to do an internship your gpa follows you like that that is big and i don't know how many people i've heard say i wish i wasn't doing this my freshman year i wish i wasn't doing that or worrying about that for school or, you know going home every weekend instead of staying in and being like no i have to do my homework i have to do this but also aside from that do not be scared to ask for help whether that's from mentors or tutors i took what was it stats i don't know what the hell i was doing i hadn't taken math since high school c's got degrees and that is for a reason i passed barely but i passed my roommates had taken stats and to them it was like oh yeah you just do this this and this and you're fine to me it wasn't that it's not because i don't know. like it's not because I'm not good at it. It's because I had not done that type of work in years, let alone that's not my major. So especially if you're working on something that's not related to your major at all, ask for help. Or if it is related to your major and it's just a new section of it, asking for help does not mean you are weak. Tell everyone that all the time. Asking for help does not make you any less of a person or make you less worthy i feel like there's a stigma around asking for help and obviously like there's a lot of things that i've been through that i had to learn that asking for help is not a bad especially when it comes to school and then aside from that talk to your family if you're close with your family sometimes i would text my cousins and be like i'm so stressed like i don't know what the hell i'm doing sometimes you just need to vocalize that hey i'm having a hard time and sometimes that itself help or you know what ask your roommate ask your friends guys like can we just watch movies and not do anything or can we i'm struggling can we talk about what we are struggling with maybe they can help you or maybe you can help them but i think being vocal about your struggles is also you know something that people don't learn to do or aren't comfortable with that can be very beneficial and last question now like what are your future plans that you're not out of college that's a tough question because i'm going to give you the timeline of what my life has been like I graduated in May. Oh, in April, I got a job in Iowa. I signed a lease in Iowa. I graduated in May. I came home for two weeks. I moved back June, July. I broke the lease and I officially moved back home on Friday. Don't have a job. <laughs> and I'm living with my mom again. You know, I I helped start the first Mexican folkloric dance group in Cedar Rapids mm-hmm. with one of my really good friends. I feel like I did what I had to do over there. It might have only been for two months, three months, whatever. I'm forcing myself to take a break because I don't really know what breaks are. Since high school, I've been go, go, go. There's not one summer that I didn't do anything. I was always doing something every summer since high school. So I've never had a summer where I'm not doing anything. A week before graduation, I li- I don't think it could have been more clear. The universe literally told me to slow down. A week before graduation, I got a freaking concussion walking I kid you not literally I wish I had a funnier story like I wish I was like yeah like I was out at the bar and then I was doing this and that and I was drunk and then I got a concussion no I was walking it was raining and I did a little speed run to the car and I fell and I the universe said slow down 
I got a damn concussion and that last week I was on bed rest the whole week and a month like two weeks ago same thing happened I was working maybe 12 hours a day at the daycare that I was working at plus the dance group ended up sick there was maybe four days where I had to stay in bed and my friend told me like you literally have never taken a break you got the concussion you graduated you went home you moved back you did this you did that working till our days then I was sick like really sick I am forcing myself to have a break but I'm still applying to places there's a lot of things that I like to do so I don't I don't think there's really one career path. You know, I, like I told you, I had an appointment prior to this and my doctor asked me like, well, what do you want to do? I don't know. I like radio. I like writing, but I also now have experience like on the Hill in, in DC that public policy or policy is also something that's of my interest that goes with the communications that I majored in. So I'm applying everywhere. You know, I'm not doing anything, but I'm still sending my resume here, sending my resume there. It's a very hard, the job market after graduation is so hard. I promise you, the majority of people do not graduate and are set with a job. And that's okay. And I learned that the hard way. And grad school right after graduation, you could go or you cannot go. Grad school for me is still up in the air. But again, I am literally forcing myself to take a break. Family doesn't agree with that. They say, we feel like if you take a break, you're never going to go back to school. But I know, I know myself, I know my mental health, and I know that for my well-being, I need a break. So right now, it's really just looking at the job market, applying to a variety of whether that be writing, radio, you know, always keeping in contact with your locale, or policy. You know, people who work with policy, both in the city, I know if I just pick up the phone and make a phone call, say, hey, I'm looking for positions in D.C., I will have the help. But I'm waiting off on that because, again, I'm literally forcing myself to have a break. And then I'll, I do plan to start that like ball rolling towards the beginning of August, that's like next week, the middle of August. But I was really just moving back home and sit down. And we're back. I really hope you enjoyed this interview. That was Cynthia and she recently graduated and I felt like that interview was really good. I f- and also, I guess like the whole point of this segment is to kind of profile a lot of these first generation students and discuss any important, I guess, similarities. And also, I feel like, I guess, talking more about this topic destroys a lot of the stigmas behind it and for people who are first generation students feel like they, they have other people in common and that their experiences aren't like necessarily like unique i feel like this segment is also important to discuss like how a lot of first generation students are and also to kind of come back when the stigma behind it and to uplift other first generation voices obviously with the goal to also include other first generation students like let them know they're kind of like not alone but also to know that other people are also going through that experience and you know there's a lot of people have that type of support group but to wrap up everything you are listening to college 101 a first gen guide and i am your host melissa and i really hope you enjoyed this segment College 101, a first-gen guide.